there shall be showers of blessings. Oh, that today they might fall. Now as to God we're confessing. Now as on Jesus we call. Showers of blessings. Showers of blessings we need. Mercy drops around us. Praise the Lord for these showers of blessing. Oh, that we would recognize them and look back on each day and see the blessings that He's bestowed on us. I think there are probably millions of things that God does for us that we don't even recognize. Let us look and recognize what great care the great shepherd has of his sheep. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. For if by one man's offense death to reign by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience... Many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed through sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of righteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. All right, come back with me now to Romans, Romans chapter 5 and 6. We had Brother Gene read for us this morning. We're going to look at baptism a little bit this morning. All right, so in Romans chapter 5, Brother Gene read for us starting in verse 17. And of course, we see here Jesus Christ giving his life for those who were lost. 
For if by one man's offense, verse 17, Romans chapter 5, if by one man's offense death reigned by one, and it did, because Adam's offense, I've heard preachers actually commented to me that they didn't believe in headship, the doctrine or the study of headship. But uh, I believe that Adam stood as the headship of mankind because he represented all of us. So when he disobeyed God and he sinned against God, we fell guilty of that same sin. You see, he was the head of mankind. So that's what he's saying, Paul's saying here when he says, by one man's offense, death reigned by one. By that one offense. Against a holy, righteous God, that's all it takes is one offense. Brother Chuck was pointing out earlier that in someone else's eyes, you may be the perfect person, an upstanding citizen. But if you sin and they see it, their whole opinion of you will change. Well, it only takes one sin to offend a holy and righteous God. And that one sin did offend God. And because of that, this death, or if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, continually reigns in mankind. Every person, every born after Adam received this fallen nature that Adam received because of this offense, because of this sin. And so Adam, as the head of mankind, passed down this human nature of death or separation from God. See, that's what happened. God put him and Eve out of the garden, separated. They did die even though physically they kept living. All right. Much more, we're still in verse 17, they which receive abundance of grace enter the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. Here's another head, and that's Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. So he came and overcame the result of Adam's sin against God. And that is this human nature that passed down on all of us. All right. Therefore, verse 18, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation. There it is. As our federal head, and again, uh, some people have uh, commented they didn't like that term, so call it what you want to, but he was the first man. He sinned against God. He disobeyed God. By his action, we have received this sinful nature. All right. Now, much more they which receive abundance of grace, unmerited favor, and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, and that is Jesus Christ. His name is the only name by which we must be saved. All right. Chapter 6 and verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And Paul recognized that this question would come up and possibly had already 
come up. Well, the more we sin, the more grace we're going to receive, right? And there's a natural uh, way of uh, looking at this, I guess. So Paul, uh, as Barney would say, nips this in the bud right quick, doesn't he? He does. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Absolutely not. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We've been uh, studying for the last several weeks uh, on the importance of God's Word to the Christian for his daily walk. We talked about a new day's resolution being a necessary thing for a child of God. Yes, a New Year's resolution is good, but it falls way short for the need of the child of God, doesn't it? Absolutely. Because of this nature that we still have. Because of our federal head, Adam, and his disobedience to God. God forbid, verse 2 in chapter 6, How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, verse 2 says, God forbid that we should continue in sin that grace may abound. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Dead to sin, and again, we know that death means separation. When God breathed the breath of life into Adam, into mankind, He became an eternal creature. So when we're separated from this body, that's what it is. We're separated from this body, but we continue as ourselves because we're eternal creature created by God to be eternal. So... How should we that are dead to sin live any longer therein or separated from sin? How are we separated from sin? Well, we notice that in verse 3, we are baptized into Jesus Christ and into His death. When He died on the cross... He died for you, in particular, for you, because He loved you. He took the shame that belonged to us, and He took it upon Himself, and He gave that perfect life that He had already lived. We talk a lot about learning our path here in the book as we study God's Word, the path that we should take. And we need to remember that He's already walked that path. He's already paved the way that we can see how to go, how to be. We are predestined to be conformed to how He was on earth. 
to his image. And we talk about people looking at our lives and determining is that a you know, is that a Christian and, and again one mistake that they see can defer their thought of you as a person, as a good person or not a good person. We are buried with him. I want us to notice in baptism that can y'all see that beyond this all that other stuff? So for you that only have the audio portion of this message, if you will, I'm drawing up on the board water, the surface of water, all right? And the bottom of the lake or the river or the ocean. Verse 3 says that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Now, when we baptize a new member into membership uh, here at Sovereign Grace Baptist Church, we know that there is no power in the physical baptism. But it represents what is real. What did John uh, the Baptist say? Matthew chapter 3 and 11. He says, I'm baptizing you with water. And he's talking about Jesus Christ but He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so what we do when we baptize one, uh, and we practice what John the Baptist did, and that's what's called total immersion. In other words, the person going all the way under the water because Jesus Christ was buried all the way under with a rock closing a stone. He was closed up. We are baptized into his death. And this is a representation of that. Jesus Christ was separated from the living on earth, wasn't he? Absolutely, in that tomb. He gave his perfect life. He was there. His body was there in that tomb for three days. But God raised him from there. When we baptize Whenever we uh, immerse the new member all the way under the surface of the water, we proclaim that they are dead to sin. And when we bring them back up out of the water, we proclaim that they are risen into new life. Does that mean they're never going to sin again? It doesn't. So what does it mean? What it means is that they are separated now from the power and the authority of that sin in their life. It no longer has the authority to dominate their thoughts or their actions in their life and the way that they walk in their daily lives. It's important that we uh, see the significance of this, that we are buried with Him. Verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death or into separation. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead, and by the way, how was he raised up from the dead? By the power of the Creator himself. By the power of God he was raised from the dead. How have you been raised from your separated or dead state that you were born in? 
by the power of the Creator Himself, you see. By the power of God. I know that we all know this, but it's so important, it's relevant that we think about it again. That we keep it in our mind and realize that all of our dependence is on Him and what He's done for us. All of our dependence is on Him and what He continues to do for us every day. Every breath is a gift from God. If we would only realize that more, I think that we would be more in line with being in the image of Christ as we walk in our lives. So, yes, John the Baptist said, He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And He has done exactly that if you are a born-again child of God. He has baptized you with the Spirit of God. The nature of baptism is representative of death, burial. It's representative of a burial. When a person dies and and they're put in the grave, they're covered with earth. They're separated from the land of the living. When we baptize, it's representative of that burial. We are buried with Him. Now this is a physical baptism that I'm showing up here on the board. But the same is true when Jesus Christ baptizes us in the Spirit of God. You see, we are separated from the land of the dead. We are separated from the land of those who hate Jesus. We're separated from that human nature. Do we still have it within us? We do. That's why we're in this battle every day. That's why God has provided us with a path to follow and an instruction book to follow it with and in. So we are buried to sin and risen to newness of life. And again, this is by the power of God. Verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death. Now this physical baptism that we do as we add a new member to the church, it is simply an ordinance given by God for us to do to represent what He's already done. The same is true as we observe the Lord's Supper, isn't it? It is. No, the the bread doesn't turn into God's the Lord's physical body. No, the, the wine doesn't turn into His blood. But they rightly represent His body and the blood that He shed from that perfect body. And these are ordinances given to us to perform by God. And so it's in obedience that we do these things. And they are representative of the real thing. Just like all those bulls and goats and sheep and doves and lambs that were slaughtered for the remission of sins in the Old Testament. None of them paid for one sin. But you see, they represented the real thing. They represented what Jesus Christ would do and now has done to bring us out of this state of death into this state of glorious life. 
He has shined His light into the heart of men, hadn't He? He's a great Savior. So we are to walk now in newness of life. So, as the ordinance of baptism represents a burial, so, and I stated earlier, as I bring the new member up out of the water, I proclaim, I make the statement that they are risen into newness of life. Jesus Christ was risen from the grave. His body lived again. He proved it. He proved it when he ate food in front of the apostles, didn't he? He drank in front of them. He proved that his body was resurrected from the dead. He wasn't a ghost. He was in that body. We're going to have a new body like unto his body. And when we see him, the Bible says we're going to know him because we're going to be like him. So it also, this ordinance of baptism, represents resurrection. It represents an entrance into life from death. It represents an entrance into a spiritual being that we previously weren't. Does that make sense? So from this person that's separated from God from birth with no hope in and of himself or herself by being baptized in and by the Spirit of God, we are resurrected into a new life. Oh, what a Savior. He had it all planned out, didn't He? And He works His perfect plan. All oh, that we would remember. Remember what He's done for us. So baptism represents the resurrection of Christ from the dead and our resur- res- resurrection... Ooh and our resurrection from the dead state of our nature. The separated, fallen state of our nature is overcome by the power of God when He baptizes us in the Spirit of God. He gets all the glory, don't He? Because it's His. He gets all the credit, doesn't He? Because it's His. We proclaim that He is a sovereign God, one over all, because He is. Oh, that we would always proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we would always point out that He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He not only was the Savior Jesus Christ who was born in a manger, who came to this earth as an infant. Oh, that's humility there, isn't it? He humbled Himself, didn't He? And He did it for you and for me. But he was also the creator of all things that were created. The beginning and the end. He is the author of the faith that you have in him. Again, he has imputed the Holy Spirit into your heart. And he's made you alive. And he's provided for you the food that that life needs to survive. 
and to overcome in this daily battle that we're in. Yes, we were separated from God, but we're joined to Him now. We can praise Him with all that we have because we know that we're His. It's a great blessing, Brother Gene, to know that a loved one, you know in your heart that a loved one is with the Lord when they pass on from this world to the next. That's a great comfort that God gives us. It's a great blessing. I have many loved ones who are with the Lord, and I know all of you do too. And we are headed that way. We praise God that we know Him in our hearts and we know that we are His and we are the eternal creature that He created to begin with. And then we are this living spiritual creature that He's recreated. We've been reborn into this newness of life. And yes, it's very represented, very well represented in the ordinance of baptism. We have been raised into a newness of life. Praise the Lord. Again, He is one great Savior, isn't He? And the only Savior. No wonder the systems of the world attack Him. No wonder they hate Him because they are in the gall of bitterness, aren't they? Because they are in this fallen nature. And the Bible says that our hearts naturally are enmity against Him. And you know that describes us before we were baptized in the Holy Spirit of God and given this newness of life. But we can praise Him that now we know Him. We know that we are His and we know that He is our Savior. I think we need to look back on these things uh, these ordinances that the church practices and understand and realize the significance. God knew what He was doing when He gave us these things to do. He knew that we needed this time together, the assembling of ourselves together. He knew what He was doing when He designed this time for us to be together. He knew that we needed each other. He knew that we would depend on Him for all that we need. And He's a great provider, isn't He? May God bless the reading of His Word today to the hearts of His people.